Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent Magazine, with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Welcome to the latest episode of Apparently Speaking, where I'll be talking with Cindy Cole about parenting a child with special needs. This episode is sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. I want to welcome Cindra Cole to the show, um, mom of five, including 10-year-old Eden, who has Williams Syndrome, and she's also on the board of trustees of the Williams Syndrome Association. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really, really happy to have you here, and I'm really happy that I've been able to get to know you and to get to know your wonderful family, including Eden, who's going to be, you know, the most topic of our, of our conversation today. So maybe just tell us a little bit about your family. So we have five kids uh, ranging in age from 18 months to 21. Eden is number two in that line. Um, she is 10 and was diagnosed with Williams syndrome when she, uh, just before she turned five. Okay. Tell us, tell me a little bit about Williams syndrome. So my like elevator speech for Williams syndrome <laughs> is it's uh, a spontaneous micro deletion of 28 genes on chromosome seven. Um, medical and learning challenges often occur side by side with striking verbal abilities, highly social personalities, and an affinity for music. So, okay, that's, I and mean, do you feel like she fits? Like, she how definitely would you describe, fits that. If how I would you describe Eden, just you know, Eden. In your own I, words. I mean, I think the. The first word that comes to mind is empathetic. Eden definitely feels what everybody feels. Um, sometimes that's uh, for good and sometimes it's for bad because if somebody's sad, she can't help but be sad with them. But she has some cognitive uh, learning disabilities and some complex heart issues and um, other internal health conditions okay. as a result of as her. As a result of yes. it. And I just want to say that I, I do know Eden and um, I mean – Anybody that knows her would just say she's a complete joy to be around. I mean, she's just happy, 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 happy. And she's, you know, smart as they come. I think whenever I see her, I mean, she knows me. She asks about you know, every member of my family by name. <laughs> you know, she remembers things that they have, you know, oh, are they at this practice or things that they like to right. do? And she's, um, she's just such a sweet. You know, Thank she's you. just a light and I do love just if I'm able to run into her, it just yeah, makes right. my day. And I know everyone would agree with me. So I just wanted to say that. Um, so maybe tell us when and how you found out that Eden has Williams syndrome. So we, Eden, when she was a baby, was hitting all of her developmental milestones appropriately. She rolled over early. She crawled right on time. She walked a little bit late, but nothing concerning. But the one thing that was missing was speaking. She would not, she wouldn't talk. And she seemed to have pretty decent receptive um, vocabulary, but just not any verbal. So um, the the pediatrician seemed to think that it was just a typical speech delay, so we waited it out, and then she was three and still not talking. And in hindsight, I wish we would have addressed it earlier because okay. now I know the importance but of early intervention. That point, at that point, still right, just thinking it was just, just delay. a speech delay yeah. mm-hmm. because there were no other issues. So um, she started speech therapy when she was three and was diagnosed with apraxia of speech, which is basically the brain's inability to tell the mouth how to speak. And apraxia is often a diagnosis that is 
um, in conjunction with other diagnoses. So a lot of times if apraxia is diagnosed, the, the practitioner will start looking for what could be causing that. And we had a wonderful speech therapist who remembered a slide from graduate school about Williams syndrome. And it kind of went from there. Oh, you're um, kidding. Is that what they, that they was, said? That they was remembered we, like one yes, slide. And one slide like about Williams about. syndrome. Exactly. Oh, wow. So that started the ball rolling. I had a really difficult time, though, facing a potential diagnosis. So we researched Williams syndrome. We um, we started running all of the tests about what could be wrong if your child has Williams syndrome. Like I said, um, heart conditions are one thing. So we immediately had an echo and an EKG and um, kidneys can also be affected. So we started, you know, kidney ultrasounds in the panel. So we were addressing all of the things that could potentially be wrong if it was Williams syndrome, but that label really scared me. So uh, we we took that part of it slow. Eventually, we were able to get her into there is a Williams syndrome clinic down at Nationwide Children's in Columbus. So we we're able to get her in for an appointment down there. They ran the genetic test and that was positive. So um, still after that, it probably took me a good six months to be able to tell everybody that it was Williams okay, syndrome. Okay, I know you, that so. was something that you'd mentioned to me um, that it just, yeah, you didn't tell anyone for quite a long time. Right. And what was the reason for that? Just because, you know, just fear or just not knowing a lot about it yourself? Or I just... think, yeah, I mean, fear was definitely yeah. a big thing. Again, I, I was scared that she would be labeled. I feel like when she was diagnosed, I was labeling her. And if I, as her mother, couldn't look past a diagnosis, I was really afraid what you know, friends and family and the general public would do if they saw the diagnosis too. So um, once though I learned more about Williams syndrome and really realized that Eden wasn't Williams syndrome, you know, having the diagnosis is a piece of her, but it's not her entirety. And once I was able to come to that conclusion, it was a lot easier for me to then talk to people about it and share about it. And I, I mean, looking at where we are today, I, I almost can't believe that I was that mom that was so scared because now it's totally like my MO, right? It's my right. brand. Oh like, yeah, it is, it is your brand, but you know what? You shouldn't fault yourself for that right. because you were, you know, you didn't know it was the unknown and that's got to be a scary thing. You don't know. Okay. What does this mean? What's, right. what's going to happen? What's, what's going to be her future? You have all those questions. So of right. course you don't want to just start telling everybody well, about exactly. it and ask, being asked a million questions. And now you, like you said, it's your brand, yeah, it but is. now you're, and you're so, you know, um, you know so much about it right. and you can help other people. And I know that you do that a lot too. And even, you know, you're on that board and you're, you're helping, you're an advocate. So don't fault yourself for that. You know, I think that's totally, would be a totally normal, right. you know, reaction. <laughs> I remember, look, look I, think the, I think for me, the hardest part, and I don't remember how many days after I had first heard the words William syndrome. But one of the things with Williams syndrome, like Down syndrome, is there are facial characteristics. If you if you know a child with Williams syndrome, you can pretty much pick out any other child with Williams syndrome by their facial characteristics. And I remember we, we had this picture hanging in our bedroom of Eden when she was I don't know, maybe two months old. And I just I always thought that she was the cutest baby. She had the biggest eyes. And and then, you know, once once I realized that within that picture, I could see the facial characteristics. I no longer saw this cute baby. I saw a child oh, with Williams wow. syndrome, and I just cried and cried because That's I was exactly like, what it, "You it, said you didn't want other people right, to see." I didn't, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. and I couldn't see past it, and it just it was so hard. And finally, I don't I don't know how long it took, but I know now I can look at 
a lot of those pictures and not see it anymore. Right. I mean, there are definitely some pictures that I'm like, eh, her eyes are too puffy in that yeah. one. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hang that one up. Right, but, but you're not looking at that no. photo and seeing what you're seeing, Eden. I am this, your beautiful yes. daughter. Yeah, and I think that I, I know. I think probably anyone that knows her, like I said. Yeah. Just sees Eden. Well, it's funny that you you said Joy when yeah. you described her. We had one of um, our old babysitters is a photographer, and she asked if she could come take over take take pictures of our daughter and actually our younger daughter too. She had a photography project, and she had to define a characteristic of a person through a picture. And she took a picture of Eden. And I mean, in the picture to me, I say that I don't look for you know the Williams syndrome characteristics, right. but I feel like a lot of them were really. It really accentuated in this one specific picture, but her description of it was pure joy. And oh, I think that that, I mean, it was, it was totally when true. Eden, when we were right in the middle of the diagnosis process and for her, you know, she didn't know, she had no idea what we were dealing with on the inside, but for her to label Eden as pure joy in the yeah. face of all of it was, she hit it, was, it on the she mark, did. you know? Yeah, <laughs> yes. for sure. She definitely yeah. did. Um, and so how do you think, do you think just, I'm sure that parents with special needs children, no matter what the special need is, you know, we're talking about Williamson or what you and I, we're also going to talk about just in general, right. you know, cause right. of disabilities, I mean, how would you kind of tell them, you know, how did you get to the point where you're able to talk about it so freely and so positively? And, you know, how did you get there? I know it wasn't an easy it process. Wasn't. Right. So I think one thing that a lot of parents of children with special needs deal with is loneliness. Um, I think especially initially, you you you're just so focused on your world and what is happening in your world. And it's just incredibly lonely because you don't really know who to talk to outside of your spouse and, you know, your child's team of educators and therapists and doctors. And you just have this nobody else understands mentality. So for me, I think once we built our village and built our team is when I became comfortable with it. And when I was able to then talk about it and do something with it, I, I joined the Williams Syndrome Association. I became a member and saw all of these parents who were so inspiring and sharing stories of their kids, you know, breaking all of the barriers that we thought existed for ours. And, you know, seeing those examples really helped me to think, okay, well, someday Eden's going to be one of those kids. Somebody's going to look at Eden and think, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, my kid's so much more capable of whatever the geneticist who diagnosed her, you know, said. Right. And it Um, had to make you feel probably a little less lonely, right? It did. Getting involved, oh, it completely you know, did. Diving into something like that. And you're right. like, well, I'm not alone. All right. of these people are dealing with, with something. you know, something similar right. or whatever it is. And so I think, you know, like you, you said, you know, you would feel lonely. And I think that that would probably be, yes, an accurate, right. you know, I don't know firsthand, but yeah, I can imagine that it would be lonely, but you took that loneliness and, you know, you, you did something into, right. with it and then you're like, I'm not alone at all. You right. know, now you're probably meeting people all the time. Right. You know? And it's not even just like you said, this is a lot bigger for us than than Williams syndrome. I mean, it is there is an entire special needs community. Williams syndrome in itself is a one in 10,000 diagnosis. Right. So there isn't another family so in our hometown yeah. that is dealing with Williams syndrome or, you know, I don't right. even know how many there are in our county, to right. be honest. But, other. but there are other. Mm-hmm. We have really good friends of children with autism and Down syndrome and, right. you know, so other rare the disorders. Same diagnosis, right. You can. We're dealing with are the, the same, same as right. a parent, you know, right. and so you can you can right. you're not alone and you can help others, which yes. I know you do. And I think that that is so so instrumental in the growth that we have had as parents and our ability to parent her is is reaching outside of you know the four walls of our house Mm -hmm. right so what about your other children so how would you because I would imagine 
especially earlier on, you know, and, and with uh, even with other disabilities, it just right. it a lot of time and energy is focused on, you know, that child, which right. is rightly so. But how do you juggle, you know, making sure it's right. not, you know, that your other kids are still getting what they need too? So we heard um, a quote one time, and I, I wish I knew who I could attribute it to, but the quote was accept, don't accept. Um, you accept the diagnosis, but you don't make exceptions for it. So in our house, it's really important that we treat Eden with the same expectations that we treat all of our other children. And yeah, maybe she had a lot more therapy appointments than what any of our other kids did at one point, but we really tried to balance that with our other kids' interests. Luckily, when Eden was diagnosed, our son was older and he was playing baseball. So we spent a lot of time at the baseball field. So for Eden, it wasn't like she was getting all of, and her therapies were getting all of our attention. Our oldest was also getting attention at the baseball field and the youngest was still you know our third was the youngest at that point and she was still too young to even realize what was happening so now I mean we definitely do spend a bit more time on homework with Eden than we you know ever did with our oldest and what I expect us to do but even if she didn't have one exactly you you may have one or two children who just need more more help right yeah so and they they we have talked about it with our seven-year-old. She understands William syndrome. And it's funny because whenever she meets somebody that's really like outgoing and energetic and empathetic, she said, mom, do they have William syndrome? <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's pretty funny to, it is. It, she, is they're, so they're not really resentful of it yet. I don't know if they will be someday. No, um, I, I think just knowing you and your family and how you raise it, I don't, I don't, I hope not. I don't think so. And <laughs> yeah. Eden is so, I mean, they just, they adore her. Right. So to resent, I just don't think that. And again, when it comes to her, it's just a piece of who she is. It's not, exactly. you know, I feel like in this conversation, it can seem like it's a major focus of our lives, but really William syndrome itself plays a really right. pretty I'm small role that. in right. our lives Right, because that's what we're day. talking about. That's right. what we're focusing on. But you're right. It's not like your everyday life is like consumed with William right. syndrome. You know, right. I mean, that's a part. And you said that's a piece of her. That's not all, all of, her. of her. That doesn't right. define her. You don't say her name and think of that. You right. probably think of all the oh, a ton great of qualities right. about exactly. her like you would any right. child, you right. know? So yeah, I think that's, I think that's important to remember too. And that's probably maybe good advice for other parents. Absolutely. You know, to, but it's to hard. Oh, yeah. that, that's really hard though, to come to that place where you're not just seeing again, the label, the thing that I was so scared mm-hmm. of at the beginning and that I think most parents are scared of you, you know, getting to that place where you realize, okay, if it's autism, you know, yeah, my child has autism, but it is autism is not my child. So right, I think I think that's like I said, I I can't say you know firsthand, but I think that that is great advice. And again, like you said, it would be hard to get there, but and I'm sure you have days. Oh, yes. you know what I mean. Yeah. It's not like you're like right. oh, it's all perfect, and I never right. think of that. I'm sure you have days where that is more the focus, or you're thinking, oh my gosh, or why, or maybe something right. happened. But but to come back to you know, and just see the, the growth that even you right. as a mom have, have, have had. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. Then when we get back, I want to talk to you about um, Eden just with school, okay. just some of her experiences and, and how you feel about certain things with school. So we'll be right back. For the one in five children who have learning differences like dyslexia and attention deficits like ADHD, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their potential. Serving students in grades K through 12 from more than 80 communities throughout Northeast Ohio, Lawrence School empowers students who learn differently by accepting and affirming the diverse ways they learn, supporting them through their academic journey, and motivating them to excel beyond what they would believe imaginable. The result of these approaches is that students who previously struggled in the classroom are suddenly engaged, motivated, and confident in their ability to be successful learners. 
Discover the many ways we are reimagining school at www.lawrenceschool.org or by calling 440-526-0717. Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. Okay, we're back speaking with Cinder Cole, and we're talking about um, specifically her daughter who has Williams Syndrome. We're talking about Williams Syndrome, but even just in general, parenting um, a child with special needs. And so before the break, I said I want to talk to you a little bit about her being in school. So what were some of the experiences that she's had so far um, in school? So she... She needs a lot of support at school to be successful. And oftentimes kids with special needs, it, regardless of the diagnosis, are the same, right? Then the way that supports are offered, it, it varies across the board. A lot of kids can receive different therapies in school, whether it's speech, occupational, physical therapies. Um, music therapy is becoming um, something that more and more schools are starting to to gravitate towards. Um, but then also academic supports and, you know, what can we do to make this child successful in the classroom? And there's a huge push right now in the special needs community for inclusion and inclusion in a general education classroom with same aged peers and, you know, all of the supports being received in the classroom rather than outside of the classroom in a resource room or special education room. Um, and for us, um, Probably specifically because Eden has Williams syndrome um, and inclusion and friendships are so important to her, we have always had a very like inclusively minded approach to how we want her education. And we used to live in a different school district where their their philosophy on inclusion did not align with ours. They, When Eden was in first grade, they wanted to pull her out of the general education classroom and stick her completely in a self-contained um, special education classroom. And we just, we as much as she could have received received great academic supports in that room. School isn't just about academics, right? There's a social piece to school, and you know, just and just she's so social, well, right? I exactly. Mean, she, that would be, so but I think for any kid, right? For too, sure, um, yes. The, the sure. social piece is so important, but and just for overall growth of the child, I think you know we we just could not stomach the idea of her being in a classroom um, completely isolated from the rest of her peers that were her age. So we. We stepped out and decided, you know what, this is no longer what's best for our family. Um, we were fighting for things in that school district that were a norm in other school districts and decided that maybe we should look at moving. So we spent a ton of time doing research on schools in northeastern Ohio. We set a five-county radius. Luckily, my husband's job was flexible enough, and he he didn't mind an extra drive um, back and forth to work. So we, we looked at every school district across five different counties in northeast Ohio and pulled all of the data from the Ohio Department of Education on inclusion, both in the classroom with graduation um, on state testing, because we felt like, you know, if you're, you can say that you're inclusion based in the classroom, but if you're not also including kids with special needs on your test scores, which, I mean, we all know how important test scores are, right? Or in your graduation <laughs> rates, then, um, then maybe that's, maybe you're really not that inclusion focused. So from that list, we were able to narrow it down. Um, and we also actually looked, people think that I'm crazy when I say this, but we looked at gifted numbers too, because oh. we thought that it was really important that if a school, um, be focused on children at the special needs end of the spectrum, that they also be focused on, you know, the the higher performers at the opposite mm -hmm. end. Um, and we pulled all of that data too. And so we then narrowed the list to the top, like our top five. And then I called and interviewed all of the schools and talked to the special services coordinators and stuff and went and looked at the classrooms and I mean, made sure really that did we did. Homework. We were a little you bit really crazy. Did your research. But, no, I, I love it. I'm just listening yeah. <laughs> to all this because I love that it wasn't just like, 
like kind of like a whim, so to speak, or right. like we're, this isn't working. We're going to do so. You know, it was like you knew we something was missing, right. and you, you know, just just different. And maybe that would work for other students or whatever. But you're like, this isn't going to work for yes. our daughter right. specifically. You're very intentional, and you you did so much research and spent so much time to come to the decision that would be best for your you for know us. specific right. need. Well, in one of the schools That's that was in amazing. our top five, had one of the best special needs programs in the state, but their their like just general education numbers were really poor. And we were like, well, we still have at oh, that right. point, we still had okay, two right. others you're that like, were we coming along. Yeah. So also that's a right. Good, I didn't think of that because as you're talking, I'm just thinking of what's best for, for you know, I, I kind of right. went there for a minute, what's best for her. But then like you said, you had to do the whole the but, whole right. thing, the whole picture. So, yeah. and you're a great resource. If anybody is ever, you know, <laughs> yes. needs some information, you've got right. all your probably spreadsheets and everything. My, I can't take credit for those <laughs> spreadsheets. Those are definitely okay. my husband, but <laughs> I, I dug through the information. Right, right, them, right. So. so then you made your decision and has it been, I mean, just a, It has actually been even more than we had hoped for. So, I will never forget the first time we had a meeting. It was right before school was supposed to start and we were meeting with, she was going into second grade. So we were meeting with the building principal and the intervention specialist at that school. Um, and I think the school psychologist and they looked at, I mean, they looked at what was sent over from her previous school and saw that profile of Eden on there. They took the time to get to know Eden just a little bit, you know, before school right. started. And then they sat me down and said, one of the things that we were fighting for in the other district was an aid, a one-on-one aid. You can't, uh, there, there are some resources that, you know, it shows a continuum of special education. You start out in the general classroom without any supports. And there are multiple steps before you should get down to a self-contained classroom. And one of them is introducing uh, an aid into the general education classroom to help your child stay focused. And we really fought for that at the old district and they wouldn't even consider it. I mean, it was off the table. You, we can't have this conversation. I didn't, I didn't say anything about an aid at this first meeting at, at the new school. And they said, okay, well, Eden's going to have an aid. And, you know, just, they just started listing off all Eden's going like, to have, <laughs> yeah, she'll have access to assistive technology, which is something that I had asked about previously. And well, what do you think about it? Assistive technology would help. And, you know, they asked me as the parent when I'm like, well, wait a second, you're the school, you're supposed to right. have those answers too. So, I mean, they just started rattling off all of these supports that she was going to receive. And I mean, I, I did something I swore I would never do in a meeting, but I started crying. Like, you know, I, I it was, and ever since Tears it has joy. just been, yeah, yeah. Relief probably too. Like Very much. finally I'm being heard and right. I feel like this is going to be the best situation for her for after, her. Right. you know, a lot of, you know, fighting and, right. and things like that. That I had to feel just few. It, like it felt this great. Is good. Right. And yeah. it, it's been nice too because now our younger daughter is in second grade, which was the age that Eden was when we moved to the district. And I called the principal um, last year before first grade and I said, you know, we really appreciate everything that you did to make sure that inclusion was a focus for Eden. But I, I want to ask that you do the same for Aubrey. I want her in an inclusion classroom. I want her to be exposed to other children with okay, special so needs. Okay, so you and wanted her to we be wanted in her to, yeah. as like a as a as kind a of like a just peer, a peer model yes, or just, right. just to be involved. That's right. really cool. We, and, and most of the classrooms in our district yeah. are inclusion classrooms. It's not – there isn't – Right. You know, they don't have like a specific, but we wanted to make sure that she was in a classroom with that she had. And just because that is just a normal to make it even more just this is just life. This is just a normal part of life. We have Eden and these other children have some have different issues and some don't. And just we're all. Yeah, that's really that's really cool and very intentional and thoughtful that you thought to. And like you said, it, it, it worked out 
very easily it, because right. that's how it works. But you know, it it you didn't know that for sure. But just to make yeah. sure that that just kind of just went right along Remained. with you know her life, right? And, well, yeah. and I think I mean it kind of boils down to like a practice what you preach thing. We we talk about how much inclusion can benefit Eden, not just Eden, but you know, typically neurotypically developing peers and. I wanted to make sure that the school realized how much we believed that that was the case. We're not just saying it because it benefits one of our kids. We want to make sure that the benefits of inclusion are going to benefit all of our kids, right. even those sure that aren't they receiving. Do know that. <laughs> I yeah. hope so. <laughs> you, you definitely practice yeah. what you preach for <laughs> right. sure. Um, something that you mentioned to me that I it just was like wow, it really like stood out to me is that you um, you guys have written a mission statement for Eden. Actually, like thought about it and I read I read that mission statement, which is quite amazing. But I'm like. Actually, that's not a bad idea like, just to do for your kid, no, no matter what. But I really and and I was telling you, you know, a lot of that mission statement, it's like, well, that's what I would if I were writing one for my child, you know, any of my children. I'm like, I would have included a lot of those things on right. that mission statement. But I just really like that you have taken the time to do that. And so you're really focused on, hey, this is what we want for her. These are the things we can focus on now to make these these things kind of happen. These are right. her goals. So how did that how did you come up with that idea? So, we, I don't know how familiar you are. I'm sure that you've read plenty of IEPs, but um, I have. <laughs> but but uh, one of the first steps of an IEP is the vision statement for the child. And I remember the first several times that we sat in those meetings, just stumbling, like the vision. Gosh, I don't know. I want her to be able to read. I want her to be able to do math. Like I want her to be quote unquote normal. Like, let's just be honest here. Right. But I felt like I was really stumbling through the answers. And sometimes it was the school even saying, well, what about this? What about that? What about that? And me thinking to myself, gosh, I need to be better prepared for this. So I went to a, um, actually the Williams Syndrome Convention in Columbus in 2016. And there was a segment specifically about mission statements for your kids. And I went to that and realized, you know what, that's actually really great. No longer would I have to sit through those meetings and stumble about what right. I see as the vision. If I have something prepared. Number one, it makes me look like I have my act together, which is never a bad thing. But then number two, do. it helps them. It helps the school also to be focused on what we see as her vision too. So we were really intentional about it. We wanted to make sure that her mission statement wasn't too, um, like presently focused. We wanted to make sure that her mission statement was looking at the long-term goals. So, I mean, we included about, you know, how we want to make sure that everything that we're doing today is leading towards a productive post-secondary opportunity for her um, and, you know, financial independence someday. We just wanted to make sure that everything that we are hoping for for our other children is attainable for Eden. Whether or not she gets to that point is up to her and, you know, what what she wants to do when she is of that age. But we wanted to make sure that we're providing all the support to now um, to, to, to at least give her that opportunity. And I think it really helps because IEP meetings can be contentious, right? I mean, there we have different ways of approaching problems and different goals and aggressive versus too aggressive versus not aggressive enough. And I feel like it's just been nice because sometimes we get really bogged down in those little details and whether or not it matters. And sometimes it's just nice to pull out that mission statement and say, well, wait, like this is what we're hoping for her for the future is, is, does this really matter? Should right. we really be spending our time worrying about this or let's focus on the bigger picture? So it, it's definitely helped. It's helped to come back. I like yes. that. Will you, have you ever, or will you read that, share that with her? 
Absolutely. Okay. I think uh, our goal for Aiden is that by the time she's in high school, she can represent herself at IEP meetings. We'll still go to support her, but we want her to be able to advocate for herself, which actually is within our mission statement, mission statement to, to self-advocate yeah. um, and to be self-aware. So we'll definitely share it with her. And I hope that when she gets to the point where she can fully self-advocate that that she maybe revise that mission statement, maybe Maybe there's something that she wants for her life that we're not even thinking about yet. Um, oh, yeah, right. And we, I mean, uh-huh. we definitely talk to her about it. But yes, that'll I think, change as she grows right. older. Yeah, we haven't. Too. I mean, she she has heard us talk about her mission statement. We don't really hide that kind of stuff right. from her. But if I said, Eden, what do you want to do when you grow up? I don't know that she yeah, would. You know, no, I mean, that, she. I, I think most well, a lot graders. of the kids, in yeah, her, right. You know, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. know, or they whatever they say now is right. is just right. It's going to be different. Yeah. So yeah. That's I not, mean, I don't think a professional basketball player necessarily like falls hey, within. You never the know. But right. That's what right. all the kids say anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. professional athlete right. or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I, I mean, she's she's adorable. She's a delight. She really, really is. Does she? One other one other kind of question for you. We didn't talk about this earlier, but does she feel or think? Does she ever say like? I'm different or things like that, or is she just, you know? So we didn't really talk to Eden about Williams syndrome for a while. I mean, she does have cognitive disabilities. So at the beginning, I wasn't quite sure, you know, I just, I didn't really know what that meant. Right. And sometimes I still don't know what that means, (laughs) but I didn't want to overwhelm her by telling her she was different. And so we really were thoughtful about how do we tell Eden that she is different? Because I think it's important, again, to be self-aware, to self-advocate that she knows what those differences are. So we decided that we were going to host an awareness walk for Williams syndrome. It's, It's what the Williams syndrome association does for their awareness campaign is across the country. There are walks. And we wanted to make sure that Eden knew that her differences were something we're selling celebrating. So why not bring hundreds of people together, both affected by Williams syndrome, but also those that love her to have this event celebrating Williams syndrome. And we use that as our segue into talking to her about what Williams syndrome is. And it's what we use to tell our other kids that their sister has Williams syndrome. Um, our, our daughter, I think our daughter is Aubrey is next in line after Eden. I think she was four the first time that we had a walk. And so we just use that as the opportunity to tell her too. So, um, but along with that, we invited everybody in Eden's class to come to the walk. And I have to tell you, it it was overwhelming the amount of her peers that came. I mean, some of them would walk up and say, you know, their parents would say so-and-so is in class with Eden. And that, I, I mean, First of all, it was our first walk, so a lot was making me cry that day. But that, right? That's so cool. It was really yeah. cool, and that her teacher that year was just really great. And after the walk, she invited me in and asked me to explain Williams syndrome because they went to this walk went for Williams, and so okay. I went to the class and I explained it to them. And it's funny because there are some peers that she had that I. <laughs> you know, that they just know that Eden has Williams syndrome. It's just part of who yeah, she is. And no they know what it means. Like yeah. if, if somebody's crying, Eden is really drawn to the crying. And I was there one time when a classmate was upset and Eden was over there. And somebody said, why does Eden care so much about why so-and-so is crying? They said, well, it's because of her Williams syndrome. Yeah, because Which she's a first, nice person. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> kind. But like, it was funny because at first I was like, well, how dare you label her and say it's because of that? But then I was like, no, wait a second. <laughs> this was all about the education that I right. gave them. They yeah, remember yeah, it. Yeah, that's so, hilarious. Yeah, it was, I, I know another mom that she, I, I love that you did that and you went into the class and I know that made me think of another mom that I know she would go in every year. Her daughter was autistic, is autistic, and she's um, she would go in and, at the right. beginning of the year and just 
just very casually, probably something similar to what you did, and talk to the class, hey, you know, this is yeah. what's going on. These are some things that she may do. Right. And if she does, it's just it's part of her and part of her, you know, the autism and this kind of things like that. And I think that is so it's such so a important. great idea and so important and so great that the teachers are open to that. But right. just so the kids then it's just like it's no big deal. Well, and it's I think it's something that it special needs parents. I I I hope that I can speak for a majority of us when I say this, but I, I think those are conversations that we wished happened more regularly. I think that the more that we can tell our neurotypical children that there are kids that aren't like you out there and you need to not be afraid to ask questions and you need to not be afraid to wonder. And, you know, I mean, it's natural. That's natural. Yeah. And if you can do it in a kind I way, like that. then that's even better. I think but sometimes parents, like if there is a special needs child or whatever, and you can tell like some of the kids, you know, they're looking and they're right. curious and it's like your first reaction is like, oh my gosh, look away. Like, don't look right. away. Because you don't want to, them to feel bad. You, right. you know, like that, but you're saying... No, hey, you know, Please, you would right. probably rather absolutely be ask me about or, it. Yeah. I I like to say that education leads to awareness and awareness leads to acceptance. So the more that I can educate anybody to raise that awareness and then lead to acceptance, I I I just welcome the opportunity. And I th- again, I think that most parents, I mean again, there are some parents who are like I was at the beginning that are afraid of that label and that really don't want people to to label or have the ability to label and educating does you know it does allow for the label but it ultimately I think it has helped so much that her peers know that she's different and we're just really fortunate that they that they embrace it and aren't and I you know, not everybody does, right? She's not everybody's cup of tea, but I've had to learn that. Well, she should be. Not every fifth grader is everybody. I mean, <laughs> but not anybody yeah, is exactly. Right, exactly. Right. I, mean, I think. I think that's that also. She, it's not because of the Williams syndrome. Right. It's just that, yeah, every life. And that's something I think that we as special needs parents need to realize too. That you know, not. It's not, per, it's no. not because of that necessarily. It's because right. Yeah, everybody has people they enjoy being around. You know, right more than others, and it. We just feel like there's an unnecessary target on of our course. kids' backs and are yeah. hypersensitive to a lot of it. That's so. all normal. What would be some advice um, you would leave to parents of special needs children just in general? Like what would be your couple, you know, biggest pieces of advice? So I think my my biggest piece, and I alluded to it earlier, was building a village. We We are nothing without our families who are there to support us in the Williams Syndrome Association. And we actually joined a program last year called Go Team, or I'm sorry, Team Impact. And basically what they do is they match children with special needs or chronic illnesses with a collegiate sports team. And the child becomes a part of that team for two seasons or two years. And Eden was matched with Case Western Reserve University Women's Basketball. And those college students have embraced her and loved on her in a way that I never could have. Oh, she does. I never could have imagined the bond that that would be created mutually. And I think it's amazing. But I think to the extent that, you know, you can find organizations like that in in the area, it's be proactive. It, to me, exactly. you're very proactive right. in finding these resources, right. finding things. They're there. You just have to put some time in. Some time, right. Definitely well, and, do. And, not, and it doesn't even have to be organizations right. that are focused on special needs. I mean, our daughter loves to play basketball. And it was really hard for me as a parent to say, okay, I'm going to sign her up for rec league basketball, right? Because 
we yeah. didn't know she'd spend more time waving to people in the stands or actually playing basketball. A lot of kids and, do that kind of stuff yeah, anyway. So, I just, you know, yeah. I had those fears, but we signed her up and I mean, it was the most amazing experience. So, I mean, I, I guess that's another thing. Don't shy away from opportunities. Try Try, yeah. Yeah, if it doesn't work yeah. out, then you don't have to stick with the whole season. I mean, don't allow your kid to be a quitter. That's but good advice. Yeah, it's, but it's not. It's okay. Sometimes it's okay to explore that. And it, you, I think we really underestimate that. I mean, the ability of other people to help with that inclusion. The coach that Eden had for basketball last year had no idea probably what he was getting when he saw Eden come across on his roster. But I mean, we were intentional with the education and said, yeah. you know, even if she can just play a couple minutes every game, it would probably make her season. And he he included her and made sure that she had a chance to shoot the ball. And I mean, she, she was a real member of that team. Yeah, and it was... Sure. I like that you said don't helped. underestimate you know, the other people. Right. I think that's I think easy it's to key. do. It is. You know, like, right. oh, they're going to do this or they're not going to be, or that coach is going to be annoyed that she's, or whatever. He's, and in, instead, right. it was a wonderful, positive it was know, experience. Another for, thing for everybody, that, that coach well, too, I'm and sure. And the, the players, yeah. I mean, they, the girls that were on her basketball team are now some of her closest friends at school and her, some of her opponents within the same community. I mean, that's who she has her playdates with and her, so you know, great. it's, it's so great. it is great. We, um, um, one other thing, too, is when shortly after Eden was diagnosed, or maybe it was even a couple of years, I don't know, it all runs together sometimes, but I stumbled across this poem called Welcome to Holland. And it's by, I want to give her credit, it's Emily Pearl Kingsley was the author. And I still don't know exactly how I feel about the poem, but I think it has helped a ton of parents. And it just basically likens, you know, pregnancy to preparing for a trip. And in this case, the author says, you know, you're preparing for a trip to Italy and you're so excited about the gondolas and, you know, the Colosseum and all the amazing things that Italy has to offer. And then your child's born and it's like the plane diverted to Holland and you get to Holland and, you know, you think that you're just, wait, wait a second, I didn't plan to go to Holland. I didn't plan on seeing the things that Holland has to offer. I want my gondola ride. I, you know, I want all these other things and you have to take the time to learn Holland and you realize that Holland isn't worse than Italy. It's just different. And I think that for parents, number one, reading the poem is good, but the whole perspective that that shows of, you know, having a child with special needs isn't a curse by any any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, you don't get to go to Italy, right? Like it's it's not that same trip that everybody else is going on and planning for, but having a child with special needs is a blessing in its own. If you don't go to Holland, you don't get to see the tulips and you don't get to see the windmills and you don't get to see the remembrance. And I think that for us, and here, I'm going to get emotional, right? Like, I mean, when she was diagnosed, I wondered what I did wrong to have a kid with special needs. Like, why me, please? Why, why did this get thrown on me? And, like, now I kind of, I mean, number one, I hate that I ever thought that, right? Because she's right, amazing. But, again, but that's it, probably a right, total normal. Is, Everyone but, would they'd probably be lying if yeah, you know, well, she didn't yeah, have that reaction right, at first. But yeah. it's just, I mean— your Holland is my Holland lovely. is pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> she yeah. has her moments, right? We have we all plenty do. of challenges, but yeah, yeah. I, I love that, and I know I, I that poem. You know, you sent it to me, and I read it, and I it kind of stopped me in my tracks. Like I was like, "Wow, that's very powerful." Right, and um, it's such a great way to look at it, and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, your mindset and your perspective, and yours is 
you're amazing. You're you're very. I just thank you so much um, for being here. I learned a lot. I loved talking to you. I think a lot of people are going to be encouraged and inspired by this. I hope so too because you are. You're very. I'm very impressed by you, and you're very inspiring and encouraging. Um, if anybody wants to get in contact with her, with Sandra, you can email me, and I'll make sure that she. You know, I can Absolutely. forward that to her yes. if you if you want to reach out to her, any comments or if you, for a resource or anything like that. I know you're open to that. Absolutely. So you can email me. I'll tell you how to do that in a few minutes, and then I'll make sure that she gets it. So thank you so much. Thank you. So much for being here. This episode has been sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. Discover more at lawrenceschool.org. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email any comments, questions, or suggestions to podcast at northeastohioparent.com.